All right, hello everybody, and welcome to Surveillance Part 147 Q and A. So this is the Q and A section, and again, uh, no Nate this week. Um, he's got some stuff going on, so I'm going to be taking over. And so today we have three questions. Uh, one of them is, do you guys have any suggestions on what to do in order to stay private while using voice assistance? The second one is uh, VoIP services that don't work well on Android, and what are those uh, difficulties? And kind of expanding on that situation. And then the third one is uh, that new Proton Sentinel program that was covered in SR-147 and some extra details regarding that. Again, these questions come from our patrons on patreon.com slash surveillance pod. So if you want to support the free podcast and ask a question and get access to our exclusive uh, VIP only uh, podcast episodes with extra uh, just fun stuff that we talk about a lot of times, um, that's where you go for that. So let's go ahead and start with Mr. Camel 999 Again, uh, they're wondering about how to stay private using voice assistance, things like Siri, Bixby, and Alexa. Um, and they say they certainly violate the privacy of their users, but they don't know any alternate alternative uh, privacy voice assistant. This is going to really vary on how extensive and how private you want to be from these services. You're always going to have probably the superficial nonsense. Um, whether or not it's true is another question, but you can probably go in and say, please don't share my voice recordings with Apple or Google or Amazon, whatever that looks like to you. So uh, you always have those superficial settings, but I wouldn't put a lot of trust or emphasis on those. Um, from there, I would say I would read the privacy policy of each service. Uh, personally, from what I've read, I've found Apple's Siri to be a little bit better than the others. And so I would be looking at things like the privacy policies, what they can collect, what they don't collect. A lot of these companies actually tell you pretty straightforwardly what they do collect uh, because they tell you how invasive it is. So you don't even have to really second and guess a lot of what they're saying. They're normally pretty transparent about this specific realm of things. Now, regarding privacy-focused alternatives, the only thing I'm familiar with, and I've never used it, nor have I dug much into it, so you'd have to really dig more into this yourself, uh, would be Mycroft. Uh, Mycroft is, I believe, open source, but it's uh, at least privacy-respecting. That's like the whole thing. I believe you can self-host it yourself, if I'm not mistaken. So that is what you'd want to do, but I think it's a pretty high barrier to entry. Again, I'm kind of an idiot regarding a Mycroft specific offering. It's just not something I've looked into. So that is something that I would pursue. And then there's the obvious solution of just not using these services. And that's personally what I do. Um, Personally, I actually don't find these services very useful for myself anyway. I don't there's like very few situations where I wish I had them. Um, and so for me, I just don't use the services outright. Uh, I don't like using them. I don't really uh, like the controls that I'm given by a lot of these companies, and I don't think they're thorough enough. And so I personally just opt out of using these types of services. But hopefully that helps you and it gives you some ideas of things that you can play with. The next question is from David Johnson. And the question is, you previously mentioned that VOIP does not work well on Android. What are the difficulties encountered by VOIP users on Android? behind this assessment? Which combinations of VOIP service and providers with apps with phone operating systems do you think work incredibly smoothly and reliably? And which setups are unreliable and not user-friendly? So, I mean, Nate probably has his own experience, so I'll try to relay his experience as well. But just speaking for myself here, again, this is personal experience. Um, I was trying out Hushed, which is a VOIP service on Micro-G, a Micro-G ROM. I was using Calyx at the time, and it uses Micro-G, which is an open-source implementation 
of Google Play services. And so um, it's not super official, so to speak. Um, so I wasn't trying to be too critical regarding my experience, but I would get missed calls. I would have missed notifications. People would text me and I would just never get notified about it. The app was slow and sluggish. And I just wasn't a huge fan of the experience. Uh, that's why I didn't have a good experience. And then when I briefly moved over to stock Android, I installed Hush and I'm like, okay, well now I'm on a actually officially supported operating system with actual Google Play services. So at least Hushed will work well. And no, it was still almost equally garbage. And similarly, uh, I didn't have this experience myself, but Nate seems to have similar issues with MySudo on Android, which is another common VOIP application. And so um, it seems to be mixed uh, bag on receiving consistent notifications. Uh, there's also some missing features on a lot of these VOIP services. Like last I checked, MySudo didn't support group texts and things like like that. And so it's really going to depend um, on the specific app and the specific ROM you're using. Obviously, using a stock ROM or anything using official Google Play services is probably going to give you your best likelihood of success. But uh, that's not, you know, a given. So um, I think it's really just more of a mixed bag. But it doesn't have to be this way because uh, apps like Signal, the Messenger, for example, um, they're having to run in the background all the time. And I've never missed a notification from Signal on uh, an Android device, regardless of ROM, even on devices that don't even have Google Play services or alternatives. So just a completely de-Google device with no Google Play services and no compatibility layer because Signal has its own background service that runs in place of those things. So I I think that these VOIP apps could probably have better ways of staying active in the background and notifying people properly and offering features to actually give people a little bit more functionality with their VOIP experience and ideally without raising prices too much because personally I think the pricing uh, strategy of my pseudo is a little weird and I don't like it. It kind of forces you to upgrade very quickly. Now on iOS, which both Nate and I also have experience with aside from custom ROMs and that kind of stuff, um, on iOS these things just all worked for us. Um, We never had issues receiving notifications, we didn't have issues paying for things, billing, getting phone calls, the features might still be missing um, from some of these apps, but all things considered, like we didn't have to deal with basic issues. So that's kind of where we're coming from here. Again, everyone's experience is going to be different. We all have different configurations, different ROMs, different apps that we're using. So um, it might vary a lot. So I'd say try it out. Um, Just because we say it doesn't work well for us doesn't mean it won't work well for you. But that is a little bit more perspective on why uh, both of us are very not super happy about the VR. OIP situation on Android. And the last question this week is from Sean, and uh, he pretty much says that Proton announced Proton Sentinel. And if you watched uh, SR-147, the main episode, which just came out a few days ago, um, you'll know that Proton Sentinel is pretty much Proton, the Proton Mail, that company. They released a high security program, kind of like Google's advanced protection program a little bit, where they're going to keep closer tabs on your account. Uh, They might have a little bit more uh, stingy requirements when it comes to failed login attempts. You can even give them personal information so that they can follow you a little bit more closely to keep your account secure um, and things of that nature. So it's like a very high security program. And so they're asking, uh, to me, it looks like a method of enabling enhanced logs under the guise of security. Proton specifically touts phishing resistance as a selling point, but I don't understand how any of this protects against that. Also, if you do have a threat model that is this high and Proton has served a warrant, then surely they would just have more data to give to law enforcement. Maybe I'm reading this wrong. If so, let me know. So yeah, this is why this is an interesting feature. So first off, 
off. I don't think that they released this feature for nefarious purposes. It's opt-in. You have to optionally go there and tell Proton, I want this extra protection. And so um, I don't think this is anything released for nefarious purposes. Other companies now are starting to release programs like this. And if anything, I think it's really good that Proton is also pushing this out there because it does serve a very specific niche and use case. This is going to be people like politicians, activists, journalists, and people who need to maximize security of what they're doing. And I think it's worth considering that even if Proton has served a warrant, we've already seen what happens when some when Proton is served with a warrant. And what that looks like is they hand over an IP address. And for a lot of people in this position, they're not too concerned about an IP address. What they're concerned about is the high security of their account so no one can access their information and hack them or fish them or anything of that nature. And so when Proton is touting phishing resistance, what this might look like is they might have a stronger filter in your email inbox. So um, Proton already automatically puts a lot of phishing emails, personally, and I'm sure for a lot of you, in your spam folder. They might have a stricter filter that might get a few more things. When it comes to protecting your account, if they start seeing weird login attempts um, and you have this enabled, they might be a little bit quicker and a little bit more, uh, and they might be a little bit more engaged with the problem, and they're also going to have people 24-7 looking at your account. So what I see here is maybe someone with a public presence, they don't have to have one, but a lot of people with a public presence um, already don't have to worry too much about a service knowing who they are or something like that, depending again on the situation. If they need secrecy for something, then they'll need secrecy. But I mean, like, let's say you're a politician and you're using Proton Mail. And uh, that's what you use officially for your politics. People want to reach out to you. The people who follow you and vote for you are going to reach out to you. And anyone can see that you use a ProtonMail address. Even if, if it's using a custom domain, you can probably look at the MX record of the domain and see that it's ProtonMail. And so... Proton knows that you have a Proton account if you have any kind of public identity. And so this is the kind of person that will benefit from something like this because they can lean more into Proton's protections that they're offering them. So with a warrant, uh, Proton, again, is end-to-end encrypted. And so when it comes to your actual email content, nothing there is going to change. There's probably very limited information Proton can hand over. But that doesn't mean perhaps they can't start monitoring that account more closely. And so, yes, there is an inherent trade-off here that you need to be aware of, which is kind of what you're alluding to. You are going to gain some security for your Proton account, but um, again, uh, you do have to trust Proton a little bit more, which for some people is worth it and for some people isn't. It's up to you. I think a lot of people probably don't need this extra protection. It's very, very specific use cases, all things considered. So that's what I have to say to that. Um, no, I don't think that it's a method for enabling enhanced logs under the guise of security. I think there actually are some very legitimate security perks, which personally, even for someone like myself, are attractive. And I'm probably going to be enrolling in this because this reminds me a lot of Google's advanced protection program. Um, this is something I am going to enroll in. I very much enjoy it. I want access to a 24-7 security team who can help me keep my account secure and safe. And so um, for me, the trade-off is worth it. And for other people, the trade-off is worth it. But for a lot of people, it might not be worth it. Um, a lot of people just have free, almost anonymous Proton accounts, and they want to keep it that way. So um, again, really depends on the use case. But those are my perspectives on Proton Sentinel and why I'm personally a big fan of it. I actually haven't enrolled yet, but um, that's just because it's been a busy week. So uh, once I enroll, I'll probably make a video or a short or whatever. If it's worth making a video, I'll probably try to make a video on the experience. So yeah, hope that helps. And that is it for the questions this week. Again, these questions come from our amazing patrons. So if you want to ask a question next week, definitely join patreon.com slash surveillance pod. That's it. Got to make sure I don't say tech lord surveillance pod. This is the wrong podcast. Um, 
But uh, SR148's Q&A is already live, so by the time you're watching this, if you join the Patreon right now, there's already the Q&A up, so you can ask a question right away for next week. That is it. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you all for watching, and uh, we'll see you very soon.